0: me a go-no-go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was going to say something that was not true. I I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. I'm so glad you're joining us. This is episode 143, and I am recording this on Sunday... September 12th, 2021, at about 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time. I'm your host, Terry Pleknaut, and yes, you heard me right. I am recording this because it's just me today. Uh, We had a a big series of podcasts leading up to to last week where we revealed our top 10 of all time, and we all had very busy weeks. It wasn't really anything landmark coming into theaters, and so uh, we decided to take it kind of easy this week. You know, the week right after I said, it's the highlight of my week, getting together with everybody to record a podcast every weekend, you know, then we decide that we need to take a, a week off, you know, it's, it's fine, it's fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, but no, uh, I, I decided that I would uh, put out a little bit of a, of a mini podcast on my own Uh, today. Missing the other guys, but they'll be back next week for sure. We had a super-sized podcast last week, so now you're going to get kind of a mini podcast. And the focus of this podcast is going to be kind of the focus of the whole weekend uh, this last weekend, uh, and that is the the 20th anniversary of September 11th. And so that's going to be a theme kind of running throughout what I'm going to be talking about with you guys today thank you guys so much for listening make sure that you subscribe rate review all over the internet you can find the podcast on apple Podcasts, on stitcher on spotify on pandora pretty much anywhere you find the podcast also make sure that you subscribe and um and hit the little bell icon i think i always on youtube i always mess up the youtube stuff i i never get it right um anyways Let's get into this. First, what am I drinking? It feels really weird like if I'm sitting on at a computer talking to people on the screen, uh, it, and I' and I'm drinking a beer, I'm having a drink with my buddies. but if I'm just sitting here by myself, I mean that that feels weird, right? right that, that feels weird that that just sounds sad. So I just have a glass of water with me today. plus I'm gonna be talking the whole time so I'm not really gonna have a whole lot of time to take a drink. So uh, just some agua fria. It's not in a Starbucks glass, so uh, I'm, I'm not copying Zach in any way. I do have a movie to report on that I've been watching this week. As I always talk about my uh, Oscar anniversary watch for the week, uh, this one goes back 10 years to 2011. It had one Oscar nomination, and it was for Best Actor, kind of a surprise Best Actor nomination, for Damien Bashir, and this movie is A Better Life, directed by Chris Weitz uh, and written by Eric Eason. This movie tells the story of uh, Damien Bashir's character. His name is Carlos. He is an illegal immigrant living in Los Angeles and working as a gardener. And he is a single father as well to his son Luis, played by Jose Julian. And he is trying to find a better life for his son than what he has. And he he just wants to be invisible. He just wants to work and and make some money so that he can provide for his son so he doesn't have to work the same way that he is working now. At the very beginning of the movie, he's able to uh, to purchase a truck from a gardener friend of his, uh, which will start to get him working in the right direction. And a series of events kind of lead him down a downhill spiral as he's trying to find his way out and and do everything he can to provide this better life for his son. I thought this movie was brilliant and and beautiful and poignant. Damien Bashir gives an amazing performance. I always wondered I, I I remember this nomination happening, and ever since I've seen him in just odd projects and uh, things like the Hateful Eight or or machete kills I mean he's been in weird stuff since then and I always was wondering where did this come from how did he get this uh how did he get this notoriety and then I watched this and this feels like the role he was born to play it is just a beautifully uh, subtle performance but amazing at the same time this movie also as it tells a story it always seems to zig when everyone else zags it 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 goes in directions you don't necessarily expect it to go um it doesn't go in the typical stereotypical directions that you would see something like this going i mean they're 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 in a low-income uh neighborhood they go to a, a kind of a lower school in the in the community uh there is definitely some gang issues around but it doesn't really fall into those Typical storyline tropes of, well, then everyone just kind of gets involved in the gangs. It go it goes in a different direction, which I really appreciate. It has a much uh, happier view on life, even as the story kind of feels like it's getting more and more depressing. I'm giving this movie three and a half stars. Uh, It's it's a really great film. I I really enjoyed watching it. Um, I was invested in the story the entire time, and. A lot of it, like I said, it is the storytelling, it is uh, how, how, uh, how gripping the story is, but it's also Damien Bashir and the heart he brings to this role, and how he's able to just pull you into everything that's going on. Uh, just a brilliant, brilliant movie, brilliant performance, A Better Life, three and a half stars. Uh, I found this one at the library. It looks like it's on Cinemax right now, so if you have Cinemax, you can catch it there, uh, but you can find this one pretty easily kind of wherever you find your movies. All right. So that's what I've been watching. Now it's time to report on a couple new movies that are getting into uh, the theme for the day. And so these are featured reviews. I love this movie so much. I did not really like this film at all. This is the most Zach movie ever made. You got to see it. Movie reviews. And like I said, Uh, My focus for today is really on this anniversary of September 11th that we just had. And uh, like I said, I'm recording this on Sunday the 12th, which is significant because uh, everything that I'm going to be talking about in terms of September 11th is aftermath of September 11th, what happened next, Uh, not necessarily going into what happened on that day. So the first movie I'm going to talk about is a movie that was released on Netflix a little over a week ago, and this movie is called Worth. The shock from the attacks in New York and DC reverberate across the entire (coughs) nation. What we're facing, is a national emergency. We are proposing the treasury fund offering compensation to the victims. Ken, will have to negotiate all settlements. The victims and their families will be compensated based on economic value loss. That's where the formula comes in. 80% Any fewer come aboard the lawsuits that result could crater the economy. Payment for everybody. My daughters were just as much as anybody in a corner office. My wife died that day, and everything about this formula offends me. Sorry to hear that. But we can't bend the rules for every case. Why not? Congress gives you broad discretion, but when 7,000 citizens ask you not to be treated like some numbers on a spreadsheet, you act like that law came down from Sinai. I know the rules. State law says we were nothing to each other but I'm the one he called before the end. I have to be the man that he was. She's the one who called the tower on the radio. Mommy's not coming home. He called me when they were trapped there. It takes a parent to know that feeling. beautiful boy. You make sure that they get what they need. This is the latest, huh? It's not enough. Throw out your formula. Because it's not perfect. No. Because it's not just. We have to fight for the left behind. We can't bring them back, but we can help their loved ones. You're not a rabbi or a priest. You're a lawyer. And that's exactly what these people need right now. What would your life be worth? You're just trying to win. I'm trying to make things right. It is written by Max Borenstein, directed by Sarah Colangelo. It stars Michael Keaton, Amy Ryan, Stanley Tucci, and Tate Donovan. And this is a based on a true story of the, uh, of the aftermath of 9-11 and how our government decided to, in some ways, react to what happened. And Michael Keaton plays a lawyer who is placed, actually he volunteers, to be placed in charge of the 9/11 victims compensation fund, where the uh, the government has decided to uh, pay out money to those families who lost loved ones during uh, during the attacks of September 11th, and so Michael Keaton and his firm, Amy Ryan is his partner, his associate, his assistant, uh, work to try and and uh, And give this money and figure out how to give this money back so the title worth comes from the fact that their job is really to place a dollar value on the worth of every person that died and uh it the sad part is michael keaton's character ken feinberg the way he's portrayed definitely is one of he's doing this to try and help he's doing this to do a good thing but In doing so, it comes across as some people are more important than others because some people will be paid more than others from this fund. And so uh, Michael Keaton's character is constantly fighting this battle with himself and with the people around him of how do you be fair without being disrespectful in trying to provide this service for the people around you? Stanley Tucci plays a man named Charles Wolfe whose wife dies in the attacks on 9-11 and so he's one of the ones that is going to be paid for this uh, potentially and and he's really fighting against what is going on with Michael Keaton's character and what he stands for and and trying to get him to realize that people should not be just considered a statistic. The side plot of this whole thing is yes this is what they're trying to do they're trying to do the service but at the same time it has a secondary function in the fact that part of what they are agreeing to the victims families part of what they will agree to in taking this money is that they will not sue any of the airlines or corporations that uh, were involved with them being in harm's way when this happens. Because if these lawsuits go through and these thousands of lawsuits come out, it's going to completely crash the economy even more than it already was. So this Victims Compensation Fund is placed in there to not only help those families that needed help, but also to prevent these people from suing corporations and bankrupting the economy. And Tate Donovan is a lawyer for some of the major corporations who lost some major CEOs and such in the attacks. And he is kind of fighting the legalistic battle, the financial battle with, with Ken Feinberg and trying to get as much money for his clients as possible because they were the millionaires that died. So you're, you're having to fight this balance. And they have to reach a certain percentage of victims' families to accept this. For it to be a viable solution to what's going on, and so it's—I—I found this movie fascinating. I find everything really with that that pertains to 9/11 and tells a story with it fascinating, but this one especially because it looks at it in a completely different way, a completely different manner than you're used to seeing it, and you get this character who's trying to do a good thing, and Ken Feinberg—he's trying to do the good. Uh, the good deed, but he's also stuck in the numbers. Amy Ryan's character, Camille Biros, is also um, trying to do a good thing, but she is caught up in the the stories of, that are being told. Um, for instance, you have you have one man who comes forward who says that he is uh, that he and his boyfriend were about to uh, to get married. They were going to leave the state. They were in New York, New, or no, they were in Virginia. Uh, And they were going to leave the state to get married because it wasn't legal to get, uh, same-sex marriage wasn't legal in Virginia yet. And they were going to do it in like a month, but then one of them died in the Pentagon. And that means that the compensation is going to go to this man's estranged parents who disowned him because he had come out as gay. And so you have all these different legalities that are moving, moving through the story. And in trying to do a good thing, it almost at times feels like they have to do the wrong thing in order to do the good thing. And, and you have this balance here, and Stanley Tucci is kind of the voice of reason that speaks into the situation. Really fascinating movie, seeing how it all plays out, uh, brilliant performances from, from all the main characters, uh, and uh, a lot of brilliant little snippets of performances, too. As you see, um, victims' families come in and give just a little, a little uh, tiny scene. It's almost like uh, it's almost like Up in the Air, where you had these tiny little 30-second uh, performances from people who had just told they had been getting fired. And Up in the Air, well, this is the same thing where you have these tiny little 30-second performances of people telling their family members' story uh, after they had died. And uh, and it's just very very moving. Another great story that comes out of it is a story of a firefighter who uh, who died in the in the World Trade Center. His uh, younger brother, who is also a firefighter, and his wife. His wife doesn't want any money. She doesn't want any compensation for it. But then there's a twist in the family dynamic that is actually very fascinating that comes up. That uh, that you'll have to watch a movie to see. Uh, Three and a half stars for worth. Brilliant movie. Um, brilliant performances by some brilliant actors. And uh, and yeah, looking at the story from a from an angle that uh, you may not have necessarily seen before. So check that one out. It is on Netflix now. Another one that I caught this week that is also nine eleven themed. Uh, I know the other guys are going to kind of throw this at me and say that this isn't a movie, this isn't a movie, but I'm going to say it's a movie because it's kind of very similar to to Hamilton in a way that it is a, a Broadway production that has been put on film and put out as a film. So I'm calling it a movie. I don't care. I will say this one does feel less theatrical than Hamilton, and I'll explain a little bit of that too. But this is um, this is the uh, film version of the stage production of *Come From Away*, which uh, looks like came out on Broadway in twenty seventeen, and has uh, since been recorded and just came out this weekend on Apple TV Plus. So if you have Apple TV Plus, you can see this there. On the northeast tip of North America is a town called Gander. September 11th, 2001. Over 200 planes getting diverted. Even without the hotels in town, we've got no room. Um, yeah. With thousands of passengers arriving at any minute, the town is asking for help with, well, anything you can do. We barely know where we are. Just freaking out, I wish I was home. Thank you for shopping at Walmart. Would you like to come back to my house for a shower? <laughs> Hello? Yes, it's me. Dad, I'm okay. We honor what was lost, but we also commemorate what we found. And Come From Away again tells another story that we haven't necessarily heard before uh, of a small town in Newfoundland, Canada that on September 11th all of a sudden finds themselves in the middle of everything as this tiny town called Gander has a huge airport. And they have a huge airport because before um, everything, before technology increased and all these things, uh, they used to be the first stop on transatlantic flights. So if any flight was coming to the United States from Europe, they would stop in Newfoundland in gander at this gigantic airport to refuel before they continued on to the rest of uh, to wherever their destination was. Well, since technology had increased, this gigantic airport was just there and kind of abandoned until September 11th, as it became the spot for planes to land and to wait out the, uh, the freeze on the airspace of the United States during the 9-11 attacks. So this tiny little town of 7,000 or around 7,000 people now had 7,000 people stranded from, the, uh, from all the planes that had landed there. Uh, planes that were coming from Europe, planes that were going to Europe, all sorts of different things. And it tells the story of how this town interacts with all these strangers. This show is, is brilliant. It's a, it's a great show. I, I really want to see it live in person now. Uh, And and the film does it justice. It does do some really weird things in the editing and some of the camera angles where, like in Hamilton, you always feel like you're part of the cast, or not not part of the cast. You always feel like you're part of the audience as you're watching what's going on. And Come From Away kind of breaks that wall a little bit in a way that is almost distracting at times. So I thought that was a little weird. But in terms of storytelling, in terms of acting, in terms of piecing together this... uh, this whole plot this show is brilliant um there are four six eight ten there are 12 actors in the entire show and each actor portrays maybe four or five different characters um and it is completely it, it moves so smoothly and quickly and it's always just tiny little changes like a change in a hat or a change in a jacket or, or a vest or, or little things like that will tell you which character and their accent. Brilliant accent work in this too, as, as you have characters are, are portraying, they're giving a Newfoundland accent, which is very Irish uh, to uh, British accents, to Southern Texas accents, to, to New York or Boston accents, uh, Middle Eastern accents. All these pop out of, of sometimes the same person as it goes through the entire telling of this story and how this tiny little town just accepts in all these people in this moment of tragedy. And, uh, you have, you have people, uh, meeting and, and becoming and getting married because they met on this, uh, in this tiny town. You have people, uh, breaking up relationships ending. You have people finding out their loved ones are safe. People finding out their loved ones are dead. People, um just all sorts of different things going on in this tiny little forgotten town on the coast of Canada um it it is a a fast-paced ride and one of the other things that's really fascinating too is it's all about 911 even though they rarely ever actually talk about 911 uh they always say something happened but rarely do they actually say what happened and really get into it, which I thought was fascinating. And it was a brilliant little subtle touch as well. Uh, I'm giving it three and a half stars as well. Come from away. It's on Apple TV plus it just came out this weekend. Um, and I, I am always one that likes to celebrate and remember nine 11 by, uh, by reminding myself of of some of the stuff, which is why, uh, these movies are coming out right now. You know, worth has been out for a week and a half come from away just came out. So, uh, worth come from away check them out uh, if you uh, if any of this sounds interesting to you all right so that is my movie reviews next I do have a power rankings for you guys so we're gonna do power rankings next you can't top that yeah that's the movie about the horse I'm gonna pull an audible at the last minute here that's because I haven't seen it Power rankings, not including Fargo. Can't choose Fargo ever again. And as I said, my theme for this podcast is is remembering 9/11 and and celebrating that 20 year anniversary of of those horrible attacks. And as I always think back on on what was going on at that time, I I was I was 16 at the time. I was a junior in high school, and I remember very specific things about that day, about that week, but one of the things I always think about is how our country came together and how we honored and celebrated the, the people and, and remembered uh, to never forget what happened there. And so one of the things that I wanted to look at is my power rankings for you is the top five in my memory. The top five pop culture 9/11 moments. Those moments where that I remember the best of uh, of us remembering and honoring uh, the what had happened on that day. So that's what we're counting down. The top five kind of pop culture the time times in in culture that I remember the most clearly of uh, of 9, 9/11 remembrance moments. So number five. I'm gonna go. With number five, it's the furthest removed that I'm going to go in this countdown. But number five, I'm going to say, in 2006, two different movies came out talking about 9-11. And both of them were brilliant in their own way. The first one I'm going to talk about is the first one I saw, which was United 93, which tells the story of the... uh, flight united 93 that was hijacked and then the passengers fought to take back over the plane which ended up with it landing in the middle of uh shanksville pennsylvania uh we don't really know where it was going probably to dc somewhere white house capitol building something like that uh so you had you had this this movie that came out which i is is a brilliant film um, in our in our recent countdown of the top 100 films of all time, I had it in my in my top 100 films of all time. I'm trying to remember here. Let me look. I had it number 58 of all time. I think this movie is is just beautifully done and truly honors the legacy. It was written and directed by Paul Greengrass, who was able to make this movie that was uh, that felt like documentary almost if you you felt like you were there at no point did you feel like you were watching actors you felt like you were watching the actual thing happening and that's hard to do especially with something that is this fresh in people's minds and something that can that can be such a a raw emotional thing so uh, united 93 is a brilliant brilliant movie and uh, i vividly remember that and then the exact same year you also had the release of Oliver Stone's World Trade Center. Now, this movie, I know, does not have as great of a record, as great of a uh, of a legacy of history of people remembering it as United 93. It's not as good of a movie. However, I will say, it's a pretty brilliant movie. I really enjoy this movie, and it's a it's a very different look at it. It's a little bit more glamorized. It's a little bit more Hollywood. I mean, it's Oliver Stone, and it stars Nicolas Cage. It's going to be a little a little more glitzy. At the same time, it tells this story, and it's a story that, honestly, if this movie hadn't told it, I wouldn't know, of these two firefighters um, played by Nicolas Cage and Michael Peña, John McLaughlin and Will Jimeno, Will who when the planes hit the world Trade center as everyone's running out they ran in to try and help and in doing so the buildings collapsed on top of them and they survived uh, it just just a brilliant uh emotional uh, inspiring story and uh and if it wasn't for this movie i wouldn't have known that story and yes it has some weird stuff that happens throughout it it's not it's not the it, Oliver Stone kind of can get away from himself every now and then, but at the heart, this this story needed to be told, and if this is how it was going to come out, it was totally worth it. So, uh, so number five on my list here of of pop culture 9/11 moments is in 2006 the release of the two different uh, 9/11 movies, United 93. And World Trade Center. There was also another movie called Flight 93 that was a made-for-TV movie about the same stuff. I haven't seen that one, but uh, I've heard it's it's fairly good. Uh, there there are a ton of documentaries that have come out as well. I whenever those pop up, I always try to watch them. I I can't get enough of hearing more and more about the different harrowing stories of that uh, of that day. Okay. Number four on my list goes to, I think it was February, yeah, it had to be February of 2002, and the Super Bowl. First Super Bowl being played after 9/11, um, which featured the Patriots. Uh, I think this was I think this was the first uh, Tom Brady's first Super Bowl. And it's kind of interesting that you had the Patriots. And, and we were feeling very patriotic at that time. But really what I remember is the halftime show. And the halftime show was U2. And they they hit a point in their show where all they did, they sang one of their songs. And I can't even remember which song it was at the time. But the song isn't really what mattered. Because while they were singing, the names of those that had died kind of rolled across a, a banner behind them. And, and they used their moment on that stage, their moment to entertain, their moment to to make a name for themselves. And if anyone was gonna do this, it was you two because they always seem to know Bono always has a has a knack for having that moment and understanding the moment. And he did hear um, he uses they use that moment to reflect and to remember and to make it not about them. And it was it was a beautiful tribute. That really is something that I felt like we needed in that moment, too, where we were celebrating. We were watching the Super Bowl, one of the big, you know, cultural moments that we have every year in our country. And we want to make sure that we don't forget in the middle of that, too. So number four on my list is the Super Bowl and U2's halftime show. Number three. The first sport to return after 9 eleven was baseball. And there are several moments that stand out among the um oh, above the rest in that first week back to baseball. As everyone's asking, should we even do things that are entertaining anymore? Should we even care about this stuff? Why? Why do it? And the reason is because we needed a reason to smile. We needed a reason to cheer. We needed a distraction from everything that was going on. And baseball was the first thing to provide that. And uh, I watched last night, they give it up for baseball, Yankees, Mets playing each other in City Field, in Queens on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and the beautiful tributes they had. Most people always point to the Mike Piazza home run as the moment that this, this, is, this is the moment that shows that that brought us kind of out of that 9-11 funk and, and helped us realize that we could celebrate things again. And, and it was a great moment. Uh, and I'm putting that in here. There's several moments I'm going to be talking about. And it was quite poignant that he was the Mets catcher who hit a go-ahead home run in the bottom of the 8th. And then last night, on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, the Mets catcher, this time James McCann, hit a two-run, go-ahead home run in a back-and-forth game with their hated rival, just like Piazza did when he played the Mets in 2001. It's just crazy, the symmetry here. You can't make this stuff up. Two other baseball moments from that week that I vividly remember. The first was... um, the first game of the St. Louis Cardinals. And when they came back, they were in St. Louis, and they had legendary Hall of Fame broadcaster Jack Buck uh, come out. He was he was very old at the time. Uh, it may have been one of his last public appearances. And he wrote a poem about uh, about that moment and why we should play and why it was important for us to play. And uh, it's just it's just a beautiful poem that he wrote, and the delivery is perfect, and it was followed by a 21-gun salute, which is, was also just amazing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. Look up Jack Buck 9-11 speech, and you should be able to find it on YouTube. It is a brilliant, brilliant moment. Um, and, and leave it to someone, who, a legendary broadcaster, a man who's known for talking, uh, his whole life and, and being able to capture the moment no matter what that moment is uh, in, in giving a, a beautiful delivery like that. The last one, I'm from Seattle. I'm a Seattle sports fan, Seattle Mariners. They return and one of the first games back playing in Seattle, this was this was in the middle, everyone forgets. this was in the middle of their 116 win season. Like this was this was big. This was the most successful season almost in baseball history until they got to the playoffs and ran into the adrenaline, emotion-filled New York Yankees and ended up missing out on the World Series. But in that first week back, they were playing so well that by that week, by the second week of September, they were clinching the division. And so they clinched the division, and after that – um. Several players, I think it was Mark McLemore, Mike Cameron, they do a lap around the field with an American flag. No one left the, left the seats. The, the, the place was packed, and, and, they, and they go around, and what they do in that moment when normally you're dogpiling in the middle of the field, you're going into the dugout, into the clubhouse, and celebrating with champagne, what they wanted to do is they wanted to to walk around the field and instead remember and, uh, and display the flag and, uh, and remember with the, of the rest of the people of Seattle. Just a brilliant, brilliant moment uh, that is another one that I, I vividly remember. Okay, so that's number three, baseball's back. Number two is also baseball related, and it goes to the World Series. Like I said, the New York Yankees, I mean it it was the last time the Mariners have had made the playoffs was 2001. It's been 20 years now. It's the longest streak in in North American professional sports. I get all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I should be bitter because it's the hated Yankees that somehow beat us and and got to the World Series and and all this stuff and and i i always hate the yankees i just hate them because they're they're honestly their success is everything i always wanted for any of my teams and they've never had it with all that said you couldn't be that upset when you saw that a month two months month and a half after 911 the new york yankees are in the world series i mean Again, you can't write these scripts. You, you, have, you have 9-11 happen in the middle of New York City to one of the symbols of power in New York City, the World Trade Center. And then you have the, the symbol of, in some ways, the symbol of North American sports the New York Yankees in Yankee Stadium playing in the World Series just a month and a half after. I mean, this is, this is insane. They didn't win. I, th- I think they just finally, the, the emotions, and they just ran out of steam. Um, and Luis Gonzalez and his single, you know, saved all that. But the first game of the World Series in Yankee Stadium, I think it was game three. Um, and the moment when President George W. Bush goes out and throws out the first pitch. And there there's plenty of stories and lore behind this. And, and there's a great YouTube clip that uh, that kind of walks through what happened on that day and uh, and you get to you, you get out there and and Derek Jeter is is telling him you better not bounce it, they'll boo you. Oh, and you better throw it off the mound or else they're gonna boo you. It's this is Yankee Stadium. I mean that's what they do. So our president, who, I mean, regardless of politics, he was, He was just the symbol of our country at that time and handled all that tragedy with such dignity and class. And he gets out there knowing he's representing all of us and and telling all of us it's okay. And he gets up on the mound and he fires that strike right down the middle. I mean, it was just beautiful. It was perfect. And it was a moment that it will always stand out in my memory. Uh, leading out of this, okay, that's number two. Number one, the first Saturday Night Live after nine eleven. It, it, just me saying that right now just gave me chills. Uh, it is such an interesting moment, and SNL they have a way of understanding certain moments and how to handle them and still and, and while well, still being them so you you have i mean this is maybe maybe a month later they have their first episode of the season and the way they do, they chose to do it was they're cold open they come right in and what you see in the middle of that stage is a stage full of firefighters and first responders standing with Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who, I mean, now we know him as, you know, the, the unexpected star of the new Borat movie and the man whose, um, whose hair coloring was running down the side of his face during a press conference. Um, but in that moment, he was like in in being the mayor of New York City on nine eleven he kind of felt like all of our mayor and and he felt as much of a symbol of of the resiliency of us as as anybody else in that moment, and he's standing there with all these first responders the, these guys who you can you can see. They're they're tired, they're they're sweaty. There's dust on their jackets still from the rubble of of Ground Zero because they came right off that front line to go there. And he stands up there and he and he talks about how how we are resilient and we are uh, and we are fighters. And then it fades to to Paul Simon singing uh singing the boxer which is just a beautiful poignant uh poignant song um and and just it felt like a perfect tribute in that moment but the moment that that stands out to me is after all that's done after he sings a song um it cuts back to to giuliani with all the firefighters and first responders and lauren michaels walks up and he walks up and stands next to next to the mayor and he says thank you guys for coming and all this stuff especially you mayor and and giuliani says uh, we need to show that new york is is open for business we need to show that we're going to bounce back and we need our institutions up and running and snl is one of those institutions and lauren michaels looks at him and says can we be funny like asking permission can we be funny in a moment like this and Giuliani's response was perfect. He just simply said, why start now? And with that one little joke, it let everyone breathe a sigh of relief. All the all, You could tell all the firefighters behind them cracked a smile, started chuckling. It was the moment that we needed right then and there that showed that Yes, we can remember while still moving on. And I and I love, love that moment. So that's that's my number one favorite pop culture remembrance moment of 9-11. So to recap here, number five is the 2006 films, United 93 and World Trade Center. Number four is the uh, 2002 Super Bowl and U2's halftime show. Number three is The Return of Baseball. Whether it be the Piazza home run, Jack Buck's speech, or the Mariners clinching the division. Number two is President Bush throwing out the first pitch in Yankee Stadium during the World Series. And number one is Lorne Michaels asking Giuliani's permission, if he can be funny, to start off the SNL season in New York. So there you go. There's my power rankings. My 9-11 remembrances that I remember the most clearly. Um, Alright. I don't have any trivia for you because I can't really do trivia with myself. But I do have a quote of the day. Strawberries. Not the cheese. Womack. With a little sex in it. Quote of the day. And that will wrap it wrap it up. I told you. I told you. Supersize super last week and and today you, you get the, the the bite-sized version and uh and so uh we'll be back next week with a with a full episode, a normal episode. I uh, we'll be doing a deep dive of a uh, of a very big film that will be s- that's celebrating its 25th anniversary this this year. I'm really excited for that. But uh let's go ahead and wrap this one up. And I'm wrapping this up with a quote from World Trade Center. Uh, This quote is a narration by uh, Nicolas Cage's character, John McLaughlin. And he said, and I think this kind of sums up everything uh, that we need to remember about 9-11, especially looking at our world today. And I think a lot of people have talked about that. Look at our world today and remember 9-11. And this is a great um, example of that. So the narration says, 9-11 showed us what human beings are capable of. The evil, yeah sure, but it also brought out the goodness we forgot could exist. People taking care of each other for no other reason than it was the right thing to do. It's important for us to talk about that good, to remember, because I saw all of it that day. And that's about all there is to say. Uh, Have a wonderful week. We'll be back with you next week with a full episode. Until then, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.